I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 130. Can we just talk about Curtis Flowers for a second? Of course. So we've talked about him before. He was a subject of In the Dark second season, that whole podcast, which is amazing. But he will not be tried again. So he's the one that was convicted for the murders of the Tudor family. And he was convicted, it was overturned, and then back and forth, back and forth. All said and done, the poor guy was tried six different times for the same murder, but double jeopardy never came into a factor because when he would be convicted, it was overturned on appeal, so they could just retry him. And then sometimes it was a hung jury, it was a mistrial, this, that, and the other. And here we are, six times later, and the Attorney General finally said... Okay, we're not going to do it again. Which is freaking amazing. No, it's fucking ridiculous. Oh, it is. Oh, yes. That it got to that. And it wasn't until all the national attention that people were like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because I had never even heard of that. Which was crazy because it's in Mississippi. But I had never heard of him before. I will say that I did one time meet some people who like knew the family and... You know, they firmly believed it was him. But on the flip side of that, based on our justice system, was it proven beyond a reasonable doubt is the problem. You can think all you want. Yeah. So we're fine that Mississippi finally got it right and is not going to try him again. Yes. I know some other people that got it right. Oh, shit. Patreoners. <laughs> I mean, did they though? Is it even a main episode if I don't have some dumbass segue into Patreon? Uh, it's not dumbass. I mean, you're the dumbass, but the segue is pretty good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Hannah K from Missouri, Kimberly M from Nebraska, Aaron N from Maine, Teresa E from Washington, Amanda K from Maryland. And KCM from Kansas, and she signed up with her business, Studio ICT. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. We hope that you're enjoying all the bonus content. Some of the tiers get an extra bonus episode every single week. So if you want all that extra content, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. And can I just say that my Patreoners that I had to say this week were very difficult because I had M-O-M-E and M-D. All the fucking M's that I don't know. I always have to go, Donna. Is M-O Missouri? Yeah. Y'all, seriously, if I ever have to challenge her for anything, doing state abbreviations. It's so bad. <laughs> and I'll, like, go to read it, and I'll go, oh, this one, right? And yeah. she's like, yes. <laughs> Even though she literally just told me. I know last week we talked about the hurricane that hit Louisiana. But I feel like there's so much that's still happening. The freaking fires in California that are working its way into Oregon. Like, I know that there was a lot of floods in the Midwest. Like, it's just, the world is going berserk. So our thoughts are with everyone who is dealing with these freaking natural disasters that are, I mean, like, I can't even imagine. One thing, Carrie finished Dexter finally. Dumbest fucking shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it wasn't, but I am bitter at the last episode. Because you know why? Dexter is just like Breaking Bad. It went one season too long. Mm. Like, it it was eight seasons, it should have been seven. Yeah. 
and it would have been perfect. But I finally finished it. Let us know what y'all are binging because I am now looking for another thing that has like multiple seasons. And it doesn't take me as long as Carrie. She'll finish it in two days and it takes me six damn months. I mean, you're not wrong, but I think that says way more about me than it says about you. No, it all it says is that you don't need fucking sleep. <laughs> when we get done recording and it's like mm, midnight, I go crawl into bed and go to sleep. Donna goes and binges four episodes of something on Netflix. Yeah, well, I will tell y'all, Love Island is on. It's a U.S. version, so it's not as good as a U.K. version. But y'all, if y'all watching it, y'all know it's good. Lots of drama. And me not being in a relationship right now, I'm like, fuck all of (laughs) y'all. Love is not real. It's a concept made up. You know, that whole thing. Bitter party of one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Just kidding. I was totally that way like 10 months ago. (laughs) No, it's sad. I really am not that way. I'm like... No, you love love. Yeah, I love love. I, like, have my favorites, and I'm really rooting for them. But there's some that I'm, like, toxic. Y'all are toxic. You know, the whole thing. I just want to be able to reach in and be like, y'all toxic. I see myself in you. <laughs> like, And that's not good. Yeah, exactly. I'm Run. Like, I can see all the red flags from this side. When I am over here, it's like they're blocked by trees or something. <laughs> But all right, enough of me blabbing on about my love life or lack thereof. Carrie had a segue, but she didn't want to say it. Uh, but I'm going to say it. She. It was a joke. <laughs> I just really enjoy a segue. You do. And it was a good one. She was talking about the natural disasters. And she was like, speaking of disasters, get on with your story. That's not even the words I used. Well, I can't remember. I can't either, but that wasn't it. <laughs> but it was good it's too good to not use i think i said well speaking of disasters donna what's your tell us your story or something like that oh good one (laughs) (laughs) speaking of disaster carrie's jokes (laughs) (laughs) oh before we start we had two listeners bonnie and lauren they they wrote in they emailed us and they said that Carrie's going to hate this, but they said that David's possible seizure, there's a phenomenon Phenomena. mm-hmm, called psychogenic non-epileptic seizure, P-N-E-S, and they said it's a common form of conversion disorder in which a person has nervous system symptoms like blindness, paralysis, seizure, and it cannot be explained solely by physical illness or injury. And, like, they don't normally demonstrate the hallmarks of a typical seizure, but it is a legitimate thing that does happen. So it could have been something like that. Well, and they even said that even people who work in healthcare and mental health, they still have negative connotations toward PNES, and they automatically assume that they're lying about it and that they're faking it. Like Carrie to David. Well, in my defense about David, I'd never heard of this. (laughs) (laughs) So, while he could have that, but there's been no, like, he had no history of 
us knowing he had like some sort of conversion disorder. You know what I mean? There was really no other previous shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he said he had had seizures before, but I don't know what he, those seizures that he allegedly had before were like. Yeah. But I will say though that it's that sounds like a diagnosis a lot like chronic fatigue syndrome, complex regional pain syndrome, and even 20 years ago, fibromyalgia that people don't believe is real. And it's a real diagnosis. Yeah. Some people have a hard time believing in a diagnosis they can't see on a microscope, see in a blood test, you know, see on an x-ray. Especially if that diagnosis is attached to like a mental health disorder, then it's always put off as, oh, that's fake. Oh, they're faking it. Oh, that's not real. You know? So I'm not saying by any means that that diagnosis isn't real. But I still believe that he's faking. Well, I believe in both. I can believe in both. He's faking, and <laughs> that diagnosis is real. <laughs> well, I put a poll in the Facebook group, and who was right? Not anyone was right because, hmm, well, I'll say uh, we're right because he's free. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but there were quite a few people who agreed that. But what was the final result? Most people said that David did it. Okay. But I'm just saying, there were quite a few people who agreed with me. And then someone put my name as an option. And oh no, <laughs> I am way too lazy for that. <laughs> Let's move on. We're going to go way back for this story. Not that far back, but you know, I'm dramatic. And really bad at math, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, True. <laughs> Well, we're going to go to a time where women were supposed to be meek and be dependent and submissive to their husbands. They were not to be free thinkers, not to flaunt their beauty to where other men would lust after them, and were not supposed to wear anything other than dresses. Fuck that life. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like those unspoken rules still apply. 100. Yeah. But moving on. Because if you're not meek, like if you're a big personality or like say what you think, you're a bitch. Yeah. Or emotional. Yes. Or if you go into a store and you're not smiling and the people are like, smile. Uh, fuck you. Unless you were singing me a song from My Girl 2, don't even come at me with that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about that? Uh, yes, yes. (laughs) Taylor Swift was in this interview one time, and I think it was with Diane Sawyer, but she was like, so you think that the music industry is different for men and women? And Taylor was like, yeah. And I can't remember what she said, but like, if a man is, you know, like being a mover and a shaker, it's blah. But if a woman's doing that, she's calculating, Mm -hmm. you know, and like you said, she's emotional if whatever. And I'm like, you are so right. Like, it really is those Keywords and it can just, it turns it into a negative thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so picture it. Grace White was born in 1660 to John and Susan White. She was born in Pungo, Virginia, which is located in the southern part of Virginia Beach. She had a normal childhood. Her dad was a carpenter, so a skilled worker, and they got by on his pay. Fast forward to April 1680, and Grace fell in love and married James Sherwood. James was well-respected in the community, and he owned a small farm. Grace's dad, John, gave the couple 50 acres of land as a wedding gift, and then when he passed a year later, 
he left the rest of his 145-acre farm to them. He was already a farmer. He don't need all that. (laughs) Grace and James had three sons, John, James, and Richard. And I wonder if they called him Dick. I don't know, but I went straight to John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Mm, Of course. I'm single. I went to, do they call him Dick? (laughs) He could be a Dick. Could be. Well, just a thought. And they were all happy with their lives. Grace was independent, but James seemed to respect and love that about her. And she was also fucking smart. She grew her own herbs and considered herself a healer of both people and animals. Oh, and remember how women were supposed to dress during this time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wore trousers while she farmed, and that was a scandal. She was also described as being beautiful, and therefore the wives were threatened by her and thus hated her. And the husbands were mesmerized by Grace and probably didn't hide it well from their wives. Like I mentioned before, women were supposed to be meek, but Grace was funny and charismatic. Along with being an herbalist, Grace Sherwood was also a midwife. And those two jobs were among the lists that made everyone raise their brow in suspicion of something dark or something supernatural at work. But it was also a job with high consequences. If someone was injured or died during your care, it was all on you because you were overseeing their health, basically. And in 1697, that's just what happened. A neighbor named Richard Capps charged Grace with hexing his bull to death. Oh, my God. Yeah. But Grace was a fighter, and so she charged him with defamation. And little is known as to what happened, but there was a settlement reached between the two parties. But that was just the beginning of Grace's troubles. Which, that's the thing about back then. You could just be like, you're a witch. Yeah. A lot of people really think that a great deal of the Salem witch trials was because it was people trying to take land and take, you know, get ownership of that person's things by saying they're a witch. Yeah. I cover it later. The differences, well, not all of them, but the differences between Virginia and Salem. And I also need to cover the Salem witch trials. Mm -hmm. The very next year, another neighbor couple, the Gisburns, John and Jane, filed claims against Grace and accused her of casting spells with the intention of harming their hogs and ruining their cotton fields. Why would she have anything against a hog? I mean, maybe they were like, she wanted us to be poor. I don't know. But again, Grace retaliated by suing the neighbors for slander. But her lawsuit was thrown out of court. Of course it was. Yeah. And a little later that same year, the snowball had started turning into an avalanche and was rolling full steam down the hill. Elizabeth Barnes stated that she witnessed Grace transform into a black cat, slink her way into Elizabeth's house, jumped up onto her bed, and whipped Elizabeth. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how a cat does that, but maybe she changed back into her human form to do it, but she didn't specify But all I can picture is Sassy Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch with Melissa Joan Hart. And I'm like, I mean, I could see him doing it. What the fuck? Yeah. 
Well, the Gisburns need to just eat some more fucking rye bread, and because they're fucking hallucinating. Gisburns, but same thing. Okay. <laughs> well, also Elizabeth said that Grace, as a cat, left her home through a keyhole. Mm-hmm. Mm. So many questions. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's how cats work. Nope. What in the Alice in Wonderland is going on? What kind of shrooms was she on? Like a cat and then to exit from a keyhole? Maybe Grace slipped her some herbs. Maybe. Maybe. Again, Grace filed more defamation suits, but they were unsuccessful. And let me just say that the Sherwoods had to pay the court fees for all of these lawsuits. So that was draining them financially. And this is where I want to input about the courts. So again, they were not like Salem during the witch trials. During the witch trials, you were guilty until you proved your innocence. In Virginia, the accuser had to prove your guilt of witchcraft. Also, the clergy were not heavily involved in the trials like they were in Salem. And it was more about the folklore of witches than their religious beliefs in Salem. So it was more, you know, like a court, you were innocent until proven guilty in Virginia. Well, Grace was battling so much, and in 1701, she also had to endure the loss of her husband. Oh. She inherited his farm and basically ran it all by herself, and she never remarried, which was highly unusual because a woman is not anything if not with a man. Boring. Yeah, I put insert dripping with sarcasm, which I can't believe they actually let her inherit the land, honestly. Yeah. Well, after her husband passed away, things heated up. It was like they attacked Grace before, but still refrained from trying to annihilate her out of respect for her husband. But when he was gone, there was no holding back. In 1705, Grace and a woman named Elizabeth Hill got into a fight, like a brawl. And this time, Grace is the one who pressed charges first. She sued Elizabeth for assault and battery, and the court sided with Grace and awarded her 20 shillings in damages, which I think would be 100 bucks in today's money, but... You know, math and it's old currency. There's like the converter doesn't honestly work and math. (laughs) But I think it's around that. However, not to be outdone, Elizabeth and her husband then charged Grace with witchcraft. What a fucking petty bitch. Yeah, they claim that she had bewitched Elizabeth into suffering a miscarriage. Because that's definitely something a fucking midwife would do. Right. And this was the first time the accusations were really taken seriously. Everyone else had alluded to her being a witch, but now it was spelled out in black and white and there was no turning back from this claim. And also, by this time, Grace was viewed as a burden on the state because of all the claims brought against her. Yeah, she was blamed for the people filing claims against her that never amounted to any criminal charges. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Like, the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. hmm Anyway, on January 3rd, 1706, Elizabeth Hill and her husband accused Grace of the aforementioned crime of witchcraft. 
All right. Well, for reasons unknown, Grace failed to appear in court and answer for the charge. So on February 7th, 1706, the court ordered her to appear on the charges of witchcraft, which involved causing the Hills to have a miscarriage. As usual, court proceedings take a bit, and a month later in March, the Princess Anne County Justices, the county where Pungo is located, called for two juries to be formed. One was to search Grace's home for any wax or baked figures that could point to her being a witch. And the second jury was to search Grace's body for, quote, demon suckling teats. Jesus Christ. Yes. Well, both juries were kind of like, eh, eh, I don't know. And so they ended up refusing. But on March 7th, 1706, the justices had pulled another jury together of 12 women, and they were to examine Grace's body for demon markings, the teats, anything of a dark magic brand. Well, the women discovered two marks that they called witches' marks, They said that the marks were not like theirs or like those of any other woman, which I'm like, okay, Karen, how do you know what every other woman's body looks like? Mm -hmm. Like, don't go too general. It ruins your argument. I mean, maybe she had a wide set vagina and a heavy flow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What movie, y'all? Anyway, they were two black marks that were probably moles or freckles. But they were in places that were unusual for the time, apparently, like her private area. And they said they were black in color and could be teats. And as Carrie always says, here's the kicker. The forewoman of this jury who searched Grace's body was Elizabeth Barnes. You know, the one who had previously accused Grace of being able to shapeshift into a cat and whip her in her house. Conflict of interest? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because you could easily say, because her suit never went anywhere, she's now trying to get the justice she feels like she deserves. Mm -hmm. However, these markings were not enough for the courts to declare Grace Sherwood as a witch, because they were scared of the social and financial unrest it would cause. But people were not happy, and therefore they wanted the court to conduct a more in-depth review of the case. And for every court appearance during this time of them examining the case further, Grace had to travel 16 miles to the courthouse. And that was stressful in itself because she's also paying the court fees and everything else. And 16 miles back then was like half a day's freaking journey, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just like all this money and all this time away from her farm, like she is stretched so thin, Well, finally, on May 2nd, 1706, the county justices said, okay, even though we cannot say for certain that Grace Sherwood used witchcraft in order to harm others, there is, quote, great cause of suspicion. Well, what does that mean? It's their vague book way of saying, you're guilty, but not that guilty. And... We're going to appease the masses over here, but not have political unrest over here. Well, then on July 5th, 1706, the justices were finally going to see if Grace was or was not a witch for certain. And this was going to be done by ducking. 
So basically, she's going through another trial, but it's by ducking. And I'll tell you what that is in a moment. But it got postponed due to bad weather and heavy rains. They were scared that the weather might have a negative effect on her health. So, so caring. I'm surprised they didn't think that she caused the fucking storm so she wouldn't have to be ducked. Right? They weren't that smart, I guess. I don't know. Grace was then taken into Linhaven Parish Church for shelter and placed on a stool and then basically ordered to ask for her forgiveness for being a witch. And she replied, I be not a witch, I be a healer. So they were like, Welp, we gave her her last chance. So on July 10th, 1706, around 10 a.m., Grace was taken by authorities down a dirt road which is now known as Witch Duck Road. She was taken to a plantation that was near the mouth of the Linhaven River. And because of the delay, news had spread, so there were onlookers and all kinds of people out there waiting for her trial by ducking. And you might be familiar with ducking from the Salem Witch Trials, which went by a different name, but it's when a witch is tried by water. Because water is thought to be pure and witches were thought to have renounced baptism for the devil. So they tie her up and if she floats, she's a witch because the water would basically be rejecting her evil body and soul. And then she'd be persecuted as they saw fit. Like burned at the stake, whatever. Mm -hmm. If she sank to the bottom of the water, she was pure and not a witch. But she died. As most of them did. Yeah. So lose-lose scenario. So on that morning of July 10th, Grace was again stripped of her clothes and women searched her body from any mechanisms that would help her escape. And then she was covered in a sack and her hands and feet were bound together. And in one article, I read that they crossbound her thumbs to her big toes. So like her left thumb to her right big toe and so forth. And then six justices row-rowed their boat 200 yards into the Linhaven River, and the other boat was the sheriff, the magistrate, and Grace. And supposedly, I feel like this is where it gets into urban legend part, but supposedly, before they cast her into the river, Grace said, before this day be through, you will all get a worse ducking than I. Well, after she's tossed into the river, she quickly floated back up to the surface, and so the sheriff tied a 13-pound Bible Which, where the hell do you get a 13-pound Bible? Moses with the Ten Commandments. Oh, shit. The tablets? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, he tied that around her neck, and this did cause her to sink down. But she untied herself and swam back up to the surface. Again, Grace was a fighter. She was pulled out of the water and then taken under arrest again because this ducking surely proved that she was a witch because she survived. Also, I feel like unless you're dead, you're going to float. Unless you're real thin. Well, (laughs) yes. Because we can't help but float because we got bellies. If you an extra large pizza, you're going to fucking float. Yeah, you can't help it. I mean, the 13-pound Bible did weigh her down. So maybe he was like, trying to help you. May God help you. You pure. Like, 13-pound Bible. That's one big-ass Bible. Yes. Like, that sounds like the kind that they put on, like, a a stand at, like, yeah. an altar. You know, yeah. like a very fancy one. Whew, Leather-bound and shit. 
Well, just as she's pulled from the water, a downpour came and drenched all of the crowd that had gathered. It was like her threat was followed through on, that they all got rained on. Yeah. All the things. But again, I don't know if that's actually true about the her threat about the ducking. All I can think about, too, is her poor sons. Right. So Grace was put in jail while she awaited another trial or sentencing. However, the court records have been lost from that time, but she did serve time in jail, and it's believed to have been seven years and nine months. There are records that indicate Grace was released sometime in 1714 because she paid back taxes on her 145-acre property. And so she was very lucky that she was able to get her property back at all. Mm-hmm. And she lived out the remainder of her life there until she was 80 years old. Damn. Yeah, and she died in 1740. She did have a will, which was proved on October 1st. In it, she left five shillings to James and to Richard and everything else, such as property, to the oldest, John. What? Yeah. Why? I don't think she had much left, but he probably was the one. I mean, that's how it went back in the day. Like, the oldest got the property and stuff. Yeah, but it's like, that sucks, man. You can't control the fucking birth order. I know. And I mean, you had like 150 acres. Divide it up. Girl, I don't understand. You know, death makes everything like, oh, even if you have a will, it's still going to be like, people aren't going to agree with it. They're going to, you know what I mean? It's just. <sighs> there was an episode of Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> oh, Lord. Where this rich guy died and he left everything to his dog. And he said, if anything happens to the dog, everything goes to like the Humane Society. And if anyone contests the will, you like lose everything. I was like, damn, that's smart. Yeah. To be like, there's a clause in here. If you contest it and if you kill this dog. Yeah. Can I bet that dog? <laughs> Everybody loses everything. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I think that was on uh, Law and Order, too. It was a woman. Well, they, they got it, it from murder. Uh-huh, she they got she it would from, OG. Yep. JB. OG. <laughs> well, Grace Sherwood became known as the Witch of Pungo, and urban legends started to crop up about her. One said that her sons laid her body near the fireplace, and a whoosh of wind came down the chimney, and her body then disappeared with the embers, only leaving one clue behind. A cloven hoof print. Of all things. <laughs> it's like the devil came and got her. Oh. <laughs> I was like, a wand, a broomstick. Oh, Lord. A hoof print. Oh, gosh. Okay, that makes sense. Something I cannot confirm nor deny, but it's also like part of a legend, is that after Grace's death, the number of black cats around Pungo skyrocketed, and it said that local men killed everyone they could find in fear that it was Grace coming back. Well, the only reason I kind of believe this is that there was a recorded infestation of rats and mice in Princess Anne County in 1743. There's this lady, Belinda Nash, who wrote a biography of Grace Sherwood, and she also put a lot of effort into getting her pardoned. And on July 10th, 2006, on the 300th anniversary of her conviction and ducking, 
Governor Tim Kaine granted an informal pardon to Grace to, quote, officially restore the good name of Grace Sherwood. Also, there's a statue of Grace Sherwood with a raccoon and a basket of rosemary that was created by a sculptor named Robert Cunningham on April 21st, 2007. And it is close to both the Colonial Courthouse and the Ducking Point. So it's like kind of in the middle. It's said that the raccoon illustrates her love of animals, which, you know, I love a raccoon. Uh, Literally, I was about to say, of course you love that. Uh Uh-huh. I was like, Grace, I mean, I liked you before, but now you my boo. And also the rosemary details her herbal healing knowledge. There's not a lot of records that made it from that era, but what little records were saved show that there were about 19 known witchcraft cases in the colony during the 17th century, and all but one ended in an acquittal. Damn. Yeah, and the one conviction was a man who was found guilty of witchcraft and sentenced to 10 stripes and banishment from the colony. Stripes is a softer way of saying whipping Mm. the person so violently on bare skin that it usually cut through several layers of the epidermis. If you've ever watched Ever After, there's a variation of this punishment used. While Grace Sherwood was the only convicted witch to ever be tried by ducking in Virginia. And according to locals, every July, there is a strange dancing light over the spot where Grace was cast into the water. Poor Grace. She just trying to live her life, take care of her farm, take care of her family. Take care of other people. Like, she was in such a caring profession, and people just shat on her. And of course, I mean, that you can just see it in everyday life. People fear what they don't understand, Mm -hmm. and they hate what makes them insecure. Mm -hmm. People hate when they see in you what they want for themselves. Yeah. I don't know that I believe, like, that they see the light where she went under, you know, all that stuff, but I definitely believe that she was a special soul that didn't deserve any of this. Right. That now would just be considered, like, a holistic healer. Yeah. Yeah. And she would probably have a freaking boom in business in L.A. Yeah, she'd have a YouTube. I'd watch her. She'd probably do TikTok. She was probably the original essential oil salesman. Right? She probably created essential oils. <laughs> she probably did. But yeah, there are like records that show the cases and stuff. Like Some of that did survive. But yeah, like I don't believe... How she said, like, you'll get a worse ducking Mm -hmm. than I. You know, that just doesn't even sound like her. Meanwhile, I also feel very sorry for old Dick over there because his name did not start with a J and he got like five shillings. Right? That's like what earlier you said 20 shillings was like $100. Well, again, don't trust me. But I'm saying if that's right, he got like $20. Yeah. But if that's all she had, that's all she had. Split up the land. I know, no, I'm saying it's like, I understand that it's probably custom and blah, 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 blah. But she bucked the system. Yeah, but also, like, if it was a working farm, it would be hard to split up the land. I seriously doubt there was an animal or something. Well, see, in my head, farms are animals. <laughs> like, I forget, there's, like, crops and shit. Because mm-hmm. I was about to say, I seriously doubt there's an animal on all 150 acres. Well, also, they need... 
they need different areas mm-hmm. to graze. And I'm sorry, I watch Yellowstone, so I'm pretty much an expert in this now. Even though it's sad and frustrating, the story, at least she did have like her life after that. And she absolutely, you know, was able to get her land back and live with her kids and, you know, continue doing what she was doing. Yeah, because like you said, a a lot of people didn't get their land back. And a lot of people, they were accused so that someone could steal their land. Yeah. So, yes, she's very lucky that she was able to go back and live her best life for another 30, 40 years. Yeah. My story this week is different. Picture it. September 2012, and we're going to Greenwich University in England. Across the pond. You know I love it over there. There was a young girl named Ella Durant. And Ella was going to school at the university, but also worked in a bar that was like in the student center. Which, can I just say how different life is across the pond versus here? Because here, some universities like now let you drink on like game days for like football and stuff. But like, there's no bar on campus. Right. So, like I said, Ella is working in the bar. She just turned 21, and she was having the best year of her life. One day when she was working, a guy came in the bar, and she was her normal bubbly self, smiled, said, hey, welcome, you know, what can I get you kind of thing. And little did she know that that one interaction would change the course of the next three years of her life in a way she never expected. Oh, look at you. I mean, I'm like... That's a Dateline thing. That's like... See, I was going to say, that's like a Donna thing. No, that's a Dateline. I mean, if I'm on the same caliber, okay. I came up with that all by myself. Damn. Uh A man named Richard Britton is who came through the door. Richard was slightly older than the typical college student. He was like 25. Richard was very, very intelligent. And if you wanted to know just how intelligent, just talk to him. Because he will tell you all about how smart he is. Lovely. Yes. I'm not going to go much into his background because who cares. But but one thing that was kind of his claim to fame was he was on this show called Countdown. Okay. So I watched some YouTube videos on the show Countdown. And it's so funny because it's like you would love it, Donna. It's this word game show. Oh, already love it. Yes. Okay. It's set up like, what's that game show you like that Alex does now with the uh, Alex Baldwin does? Match game. Yeah. Okay. It's set up kind of like match game, but you have two contestants, a host, and then you have like a pretty girl who kind of does like the Vanna White thing. Yeah. It's like. Is it like password? It's No, it's a smarter Wheel of Fortune. Okay. Instead of spinning the wheel and all of that, when it's your turn, there's eight letters. They have a stack of vowels and a stack of consonants. And you say, I want a vowel. And British Vanna White flips it up. And then you say, I want another vowel. She flips it up. You say, you want a consonant. Like, and you just pick back and forth whether you want a vowel or a consonant for eight letters. And then both of you get like 30 seconds to make the largest word that you can out of those eight letters. Ooh. So if you get five letters and I get six, well, I get the point kind of thing. Yeah. Well, Richard had actually won that game, like swept the season. Like 
let's say it's 10 episodes on, he came in on episode two and won every single, because it's like Jeopardy, the returning champion, you know? Yeah. You know, he could, he considered himself a wordsmith. He, he was very intelligent. But could he spell, what can I say? <laughs> but could he spell. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Yes, that. I mean, I couldn't say it. You had to say it. <laughs> Speaking of that, I'm sorry, this is all the tangents, but one of my patients came in this week. I cannot believe this is coming up because I laughed so fucking hard. His shirt said, Super Cali Swag Elistic Sexy Hella Dopeness. Oh my God. <laughs> That's fan-freaking-tastic. Once he and Ella meet, Richard is smitten. Like, he is like, I fucking love her. She is the one, like, I have to get to know her I have to make this work. So he starts coming to the bar more frequently, trying to like chat her up. And he's like, I have to show her how smart I am. Well, a few weeks later at the bar where she worked, there was a pub quiz. Somehow they ended up on the same team. I'm sure he rigged that somehow because he was like, I have to be on her team. She has to know how smart I am. Yeah. And when they would do well, he would like hug her. And she was like, what? Okay, you know, like, yeah. whatever, I guess that's his version of High Five, I don't know. And not long after that, he friended her on Facebook. And she's like, okay, that's fine. Like, a lot of the regulars would friend her. I mean, they're all in college, you know? It's yeah. like, she's literally working at, like, the student center bar. So yeah. it's not like he's this creepy old man that's coming to the bar, and she's like this young girl. That, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Did they win at the trivia? Do you know? I think so. Okay. In my head, they did. And then he hugged her like a little too long. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But no, I don't think so. I mean, could have. I don't know. After that initial contact with the hug and the winning on the team, yada, yada, yada. Now they're friends on Facebook. He starts coming to the bar again way more often. And he would only come when Ella was working. And he would just sit there and stare at her while she's working. It made her feel so uncomfortable. And then he started, like, going back and liking all of her old pictures on Facebook. Oh, gosh. Commenting no. on them. Yes. Um, did I ever tell y'all about the time that I – I may have told y'all this. But I was on a deep dive on somebody's page that led me to somebody's page that led me to their boyfriend's page that led me to, the, like, the grandma's page that led me to – some other cute boys page and when i was scrolling i accidentally poked him <laughs> you can't undo a poke <laughs> if you click it you poke him again oh my god i wonder i wonder what they were like when they opened up their notifications and was like the fuck who is this who yeah. pokes yes <laughs> I'm so glad you don't get notifications like that anymore because I would get random pokes like that. And, I mean, it's on accident, usually. Yeah. And I'm like, who the fuck pokes? I'm not poking you back. It's the old school Facebook equivalent of the wave. Well, um, I was showing my mom something on Instagram, and it was, you know, like uh, eight months old, you know, a picture. And I was like, do not hit anything. Do not hit anything. She's like, oh, no, no, no. But she's clumsy just like Carrie. <laughs> and she almost dropped. You have to know my mama, but she could not not 
bend her ring finger on <laughs> her thing. And so how she was holding it, she just didn't have a good grasp and it went to fall and she got it and she liked it. Like it, she hit the thing and it's Instagram. So it like hearted it. And uh, it was on my coworker and a girl that he was and I was like just trying to show her because I was talking to her about because she was my best friend. And I had to explain to him why I like something from eight months ago, but luckily I didn't like that girl. And so I was like, oh, well, we had talked about it. So I was just making sure you understood, like, you shouldn't go do that again with her. And he was like, damn, Donna, that's cold. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> but from then on, I would take a screenshot and give it to my mom. Mm-hmm. Then you touch that as much as you want to, honey. She's like, oh, I like this one. How do I hard it? Is it harding? I'm pressing it. <laughs> oh, God. I'm like, mama. Okay, so Richard's going back, like in all of her pictures from a long fucking time ago, commenting on them, like, just weird shit, right? A red flag here, a red flag there. Right. And still creeping on her in the bar. So she even goes as far as to ask some of her coworkers to, like, switch with her. So she's in the back in the kitchen and not out, like, where he can see her. Oh, wow. Eventually, she unfriended him. Well, one day he goes to creep on her profile and realizes, the fuck, she unfriended me. And so he, of course, asks her about it. And she's like, you're kind of freaking me out. Like, you're a good guy, but you're you're being too forward. I don't know what made him feel like that was the moment to be like, but I love you. But he did. Word vomited all about how he felt about her. And she's like. Homer Simpson gif backing away into the yeah um, bushes. I don't know what I don't know if he thought this was like a movie. What was going to happen at this point? Ella's working in the kitchen. She's unfriended him on Facebook, and she's not doing the quiz bowl thingy with him anymore. But he still finds a connection to her because she's still very active on Twitter and Instagram. And every time she would post something, he would always think it was directed to him. It was very much that, like, when she says something that's kind of vague, he's like, oh, that's her telling me she loves me. Yeah. Some of the tweets that she would tweet were, I mean, in, like, the stalker mindset, like, I can kind of see how he would be like, oh, she's saying that about me. Because it would be vague things about love and And with him being in that mindset, he's clearly not stable and very grandiose and, again, delusional and thinking that all of this is about him and it's it's not. But I can kind of see how he would think these would be about him, you know? Yeah. Richard starts to call Ella, like, on her cell phone, text her all the time, leave her voice messages, and he would play, like, Beatles songs, like the I Want to Hold Your Hand. Ugh. He would play that um, that police song that was the that also came became the B small song that every step I take, every yeah. move I make, every bo- yeah. bond I break, I'll be watching you. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I'll be watching you. Creepy. So he would call her and play those on her voicemail. Well, then on Valentine's Day. She gets a card, like this handmade card, like a fucking 13-year-old girl did it with gel pens or Donna, 
made this Valentine's Day card, but she gets it in the mail at her house. Ooh. And she is like, holy fuck. He knows where I live. Your shit's out there. Mm Mm-hmm. It's scary. It, It really is. By the time she gets the card, she is just like completely terrified. I mean, to the point where now when she sees him, she basically has like shuts down and has panic attacks because he will not leave her alone. Yeah. He's showing up at her work. He's sending her cards. He's calling her all the time, texting her, all the things. And so she finally, in April of 2013, goes to the university police. Back then, the stalking laws were not very strong in England. Mm. So all the university police did was make him sign a contract saying he's going to stop harassing her. Well, that didn't fucking work because a month later, he's doing the same shit. So this time, she goes to the police. The police are no help. She's like, you know, assumed that they would go and talk to him and be like, don't fucking do this, whatever, you know. Yeah. But all the police did was go to the university police to be like, hey, we kind of need to be watching this thing. Wow. So she's just overwhelmed. Like, what? I mean, what do you do at this point? Richard's kind of spiraling a little bit at this point, too, because he's losing contact with her. You know, he knows that she's gone to police. He knows that he doesn't have access to her Facebook anymore, all the things. And, you know, he's always been one that has a hard time with authority. Like, he cannot, he could never keep a job. He'd have a job for sometimes a couple of days and then lose it because he was so aggressive and so, you know, yeah, just could not handle authority. So his behavior just became more and more erratic. He started drinking more and the friends that he did have when they'd be like playing games and he would get pissed, he would just like flip the board over and cause fights, bar fights, all the things. But after she called the police, Richard had no contact with her for six months. Ella was trying her best to live her life during that six-month time that she was finally away from Richard. As each month passed, she started feeling safer and safer, and she finally was going to graduate. She was super happy to graduate, and when she got to her graduation, she looks across from her, and seated in the front row was Richard. Oh my goodness. She panics, and she tells the person that's sitting next to her to switch seats with her. And he realizes this. He realizes that she's trying to get away from him. And he's a little like, wait, kind of, what am I doing? Like, she doesn't like me. I'm kind of being stalkerish. Yeah. He had a blog throughout this whole time. And in the blog, he wrote about that encounter, talking about after... She switched seats. He says, After that, I thought long and hard about what I was doing. I think that is when I first accepted that I had become a stalker. Before, I had been an admirer. But what does stalking really mean? It seems to mean that you truly love someone who does not love you back. He would often compare himself to like Romeo and Juliet, just like all these great loves, and would say things like, Well, what would happen if one of them didn't love the other. Would we still be celebrating their love? And, you know, just very, I don't know, he's a fucking stalker. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm getting very much the Joe from you vibes from him. 
After graduation, Ella gets a job and moves to Glasgow. And at this point, Richard doesn't know where she is. And she does the best that she can to stay under the radar so that he can't find her. That has to be so hard with social media. Uh-huh. Like, don't tag me in that. Don't do this. Don't, you know, like, mm-hmm. ugh. After she moves, again, you know, it's about six months. She's starting to feel more confident. He doesn't know where she lives. All the things. While she's getting settled in her new town with her new job, Richard decides to write a book. He thinks that if he can't have Ella, maybe if he writes a book about her, she'll fall in love with him. She'll see how wonderful he is and how smart he is, and she'll love him back. So he starts to write this book and then decides that he's going to buy a tent and literally just travel, just go wherever he wants to. He'll sleep in parks in his tent. He'll sleep really anywhere he can find that he's not going to get in trouble for sleeping. Then he would go to places like Starbucks, McDonald's, you know, places like that that had free Wi-Fi so he could work on his book. When he finishes his book, he is so proud of it. You know, he is, again, he's everything to himself. He's so smart. He's so all the things. He just knows that Ella's going to love it. The book was called The World Rose. The main character's name was Ella Tundra, which is just Durant mixed up. Of course. Mm -hmm. And he probably thought he was so smart. Well, okay, this is the description of the book. I'm just going to read it to you. Legitimately, I got this off of, like, Goodreads, okay? An epic fairy tale romance set in a semi-fictional ancient world containing elements of action, adventure, poetry, and comedy. The title has a triple meaning. The central character is a renowned beauty, the rose of the world. While the rose flower features heavily in the plot... And it also implies that the world rose up. When Ronwyn Drake discovers treasures in a distant paradise, a new golden age seems set to begin. But Ella Tundra will find that all which glitters is not gold as she faces many obstacles in her quest for true love. So Ronwyn Drake is him. Yeah. But I can't figure out, like, okay, so Ella Tundra... For Durant, like, what is Ronwyn Drake? Like, it's R-O-N-W-I-N-D space Drake, D-R-A-K-E. Like, I feel like that's a, what is it, anagram, in a whatever? Yeah. I feel like that's something for something, and I can't figure it out. What's his name again? Richard Britton, but it's Britton with two Ts. If you figure this out, I'm going to be so impressed, because I actually saw another place where people were like, Wait, is that meant to be something else, like how her name is? Of course, no one's going to publish this unknown author with this book that has never been professionally edited, blah, 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 blah. He self-publishes it and then puts it on this website called Wattpad. Yeah. He puts it on that page so that people can... So, okay, if you don't know what it is, people can post their work and then you can get critiques, praise, all the things... He posted basically a blurb up from the book and then says, if you like it, buy it to read the rest. There were 
a few people that were like, oh, this is good. But then there were a lot of people that were like, no, this is bad. Mm. Like, this is really bad. And every time he would get a bad review, he would, like, freak out and respond and be like, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. Because, like, like one commenter talked about how he was, like, a teenager, like, using the thesaurus in their papers and, like, to try to impress their English teacher. And I was like, oh, I so did that. Yes. Like, you would, like, especially when Word came out, you could just right-click and do thesaurus. Uh-huh. And they were like, it's basically, like, that's what he did. Yeah. And then they said, it's great that he knows all these big words, but he doesn't know how to use them correctly. Wow. And so he commented, and he was like, what words didn't you know? Because I don't own a thesaurus. I have a... It was like, he has like a 20 volume or 26 volume dictionary. Mm. Duh, 26, not 20, but. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I don't write books. I'm not smart. (laughs) Well, as trolls tend to do, when you start commenting back and they see that they're getting a rise out of you, more and more people comment, right? Well, his book also goes to Goodreads which is, you know, the book version of Yelp. Oh, yeah. And he gets some pretty bad reviews there, too. The one that really, really bothered him was like a 1,500-word review about how shitty it was. Oh, damn. Y'all, when I say I scoured the motherfucking internet for this review, because a lot of this stuff has been taken down. Like, a lot of the links that... The articles have that, like, the review, and then the that's, like, a hyperlink to the review, fucking gone. But then it's just, like, there on Goodreads. So I don't know why it took me so long to find it, but I'm telling y'all, I fucking searched and searched and searched and searched. And his, remember how I told you about his blog? His blog is deleted, too. So I, some, like, archive thing of something is what let me find something. Yeah. Because I found the blog, too. And I'm talking like three solid days of being like, click, 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 click. Okay, where's that taking me? Okay, I'm gonna, okay, let's try these keywords. Okay, but if I, okay, let me go through there. You know, I mean, yeah. it was, I looked and I looked and I looked. I'm just going to read excerpts from the review. It starts off by saying, before anyone reads any further, I must confess that I have not read this entire story. I have only read the prologue. Courtesy of Mr. Britton, leaving it on Wattpad as a means of advertising and expanding his audience. There are two reasons I did not choose to buy this book and read the entire thing. Reason one being the prologue was just awful. And then, of course, it goes into talking about how they're not going to pay for all the shit. In the review, it says, Unfortunately, Mr. Britton has gained a bit of infamy on Wattpad, where he's known for threatening users who don't praise him, and then in parentheses they said, pray for me, and telling successfully published authors that they know nothing about the industry and are completely wrong in saying that writing rules must be followed in order to be successful. It talks about his sentence structure, and basically, you know, the gist of the review is, look, people spend a lot of time and money and effort into polishing a perfect book and that's what people want to buy they don't want to buy this shit you know 
But they end the review saying, it's a shame because there is plenty of potential here, but nobody wants to read a potentially good book. We want to read a book polished to perfection. And sadly, I think The World Rose is far from perfection. Well. Of course, this fucking pissed Richard off to no end. While all this is going on, he's pissed about the review. He's pissed about all the reviews he's getting. He sends Ella a private Twitter message because he still can see all of that. Because I guess it's not private. And the message tells her to check out this self-published novel, The World Rose. When Ella gets it, she's so upset. This six months where she was building confidence again and really feeling like, okay, I'm getting away from him. Maybe he's forgotten about me. He, in his mind, was only growing closer to her because he was writing about her. So when she gets that message, she is distraught. But she's like, not going to the police because why bother? Because, you know, she left crying from the last time she went to the police in England because they basically told her, "Eh, there's really nothing we can do. Well, do you remember how I said that he was writing a blog this whole time? Yeah. Okay, guess what he called it? The Benevolent Stalker. Because, oh, Lord. Uh-huh, because he says benevolent stalking is different to malevolent stalking. He says that malevolent stalking is intended to cause harm or induce fear, but benevolent stalking is purely an expression of affection. Um, what? They both cause fear and both cause harm. Well... That second word is still fucking stalking. Yeah. That's fucking semantics. You're still fucking stalking. Yes. Okay. At this point, I'm going to go back to the blog. But at this point, he knows that she lives in Glasgow because he, like you said, tagging and all of that. He had done some digging on her social media and figured out where she lived and figured out where she worked. In his blog, he writes talking about the book when it was completed i decided to try to make my book known by getting into the national news i found out that she worked in glasgow so i traveled there with a plan i was going to tell her that if she came with me we would fake a kidnapping we would both become famous we would go into the hills and camp out for a few days while the nation searched i had brought the necessary supplies so okay she majored in like political science and drama in college. And so his thinking was, okay, I'm going to fake kidnap her. She's going to be part of it. We're going to go off into the woods. We're going to hide. When it hits peak of everyone searching for us, the book is getting all this attention. We're going to show back up and everyone's going to find out we're safe. And when the book is made into a movie because of all of this, Ella's going to play the main character. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's goal-oriented, if nothing else. hmm One day, Ella is coming out of work, and she sees across the road, sitting on a park bench, is Richard. He waved at her, walked towards her, and she froze. She couldn't speak. She couldn't say a word. But she was able to kind of come out of it. She called 999, which is our 911, and she's like running down the street to get away from her, and he's following her. She met the police and gave them a statement, and they took her home. She was supposed to go into work the next day, but she didn't, because she's like, he's going to follow me home. He's going to know where I live. Hell, he may know where I live. 
but she just stayed home, locked in, so that he couldn't find her. And he did, in fact, go to her work the next day, and she wasn't there. The next week, he showed up again. And this time, she was like, fuck you. And she screamed. She made the biggest scene that she could make to draw attention to him. He ran, and they called the police. But the police could not find him. Well, now she's in Glasgow, right? Like I said, Scotland has very different anti-stalking laws, especially at the time, than England. Much stricter. And so they were actually really starting to search for him and charge him with stalking her. So now we have Richard, who is distraught. He's written this book about Ella. She rejected the book. She rejected him. The book's being rejected online. It was just too much. And so he decides to go back to that review. And at the end, they sign their real name, Paige Rowland. So he looks Paige up, finds her online presence, and figures out where she works. Well, one day, Paige is at work at this supermarket, and she's working in the cereal aisle, you know, stocking boxes, doing her thing, when all of a sudden, she feels this sharp pain in the back of her head, and she falls to the floor. When her coworkers hear the commotion, they're like, what the fuck? They go over there, and they see Paige is on the floor, bleeding from her head, and at first they think that, oh, well, she must have just like stood up too quickly, hit her head on one of the shelves, you know, maybe that's it. And then they're like, wait, what the fuck is all this glass? And they realize that someone has hit her over the head with a wine bottle. Paige ends up surviving, and when they show her the CCTV footage, because nobody knows who the fuck it is, you know, this person just nonchalantly walked up to her in the cereal aisle, whacked her in the head with a wine bottle, and just walked the fuck away. When she sees the CCTV footage, she knows immediately it's Richard Britton. At this point, police are now looking for him for stalking Ella and his attack on Paige. They finally find him and arrest him, and he is sentenced to 30 months in jail. He serves 15 months of the 30 months. And when he gets out, he starts another blog. In that blog, threatens to kidnap Paige. He has sent handwritten notes to her home address saying that nothing was real except their love and that he would love her forever. And refers to her as his Scottish thistle and then says, This page is torn because we are torn without each other. Paige says that she lives every single day in fear that he's going to come back. There was no help for her as far as like counseling or anything like that. And she's like, look, prison did not rehabilitate him. Yeah, obviously. He even sent her a private message that said, I dreamed of you last night. Are you going to send me back to prison? Maybe I need it. I'm bored out of my mind. Oh, my gosh. He sent some more messages, freaked out a little bit, and was like, oh, wait, don't tell anybody. And from what I gather, she reported it, but 
they decided not to press charges against him because of his mental health. So from what I gather, he's actually in a psychiatric facility, but that was not clear. I've not really found anything that's up to date on where he is. Ella has gone on to do public speaking about stalking and the laws in England have changed a lot to be more like Scotland and be more aggressive to stalking because Ella's like, if they would have believed me at the beginning, I would not have had three years of terror and that would have never happened to Paige. Yeah. Wow. So that's it. Wow. That one's a good one. Totally different. I feel like than I mean, there was obviously no murder. Yeah. No, I like that though. That's real. I mean, everything's real life, obviously, but like that's, that's real life. You know, and that, that blog that he had, The Benevolent Stalker, there's a lot of people that, like, when they read that, they don't realize that it's real. Like, yeah. they, they're like, oh, my oh my God, if this can't be real. If this is real, this person's, like, really needs some help. And, you know, I mean, this could have very if, – if he had not attacked Paige, there's no telling where he would have escalated and would Ella even be alive today. Wow. Stalking to me is so scary. It is. Because there's no there's no getting away. No. Because I mean you literally have to think about everything you do. Like you said, are they tagging me? I mean, hell, the geotagging and photos that you can like figure out when someone took a picture, where it was taken, all of that. Yeah. If they just send you a picture and you both have a fucking iPhone. Yeah. I mean, how do you protect all that data? Because if someone's really good at technology they're gonna find it yeah i was gonna say if they're at all savvy and they want to find you they will find you y'all just make sure that you're being safe because there were a lot of people who commented on the goodreads after that and she even updated her thing that said like be careful make sure you're private like he attacked me you know and a lot of people would comment and say, hey, he actually attacked someone who reviewed, so make sure you're staying private, you know, so that when they click on your username, it doesn't take them to your whole fucking life. But even when you have stuff that, like, is supposed to keep your information private, they still have data breaches. Oh, for sure. I mean, think about how many times, like, a bank has been like, oh, Bank of America, we've been hacked. Like, yeah, they may or may not have gotten your social security number. Yeah. I think that this was a good story to tell because college has started back up. True. You know, and I had two instances in college, but I had one where I called into iTech for help and he liked my voice and I didn't like him. And well, I didn't know him, you know, like he was flirty, but I wasn't real. I mean, I'm flirty all the time, but like not overly, not mm -hmm. whatever. I was brand new, a freshman. I was just trying to get something changed on my schedule. You know, like something was weird. It wasn't letting me add a class. Like, so, hey, can you help me add this class? Because I need it before it, it gets full, you know? And he he helped me. And then he had my he had my email address after that. And so he would email me. And then he got my, like, he had all my information, like my he had my name. And so I was in the directory 
for the dorms. Because mm-hmm. we had a dorm phone then. Yeah. And so I had to get unlisted in the directory after that. Uh, like unlisted out of the directory because he called and whatever. But then he unenrolled me in several classes. Yeah, like dropped all your classes. Yeah. Luckily, I am crazy and neurotic about schedules. And I was like, wait, let me make sure that this is the perfect schedule for me. And I was like, wait, what? But yeah, he had the authority to do that. With, well, he didn't have the authority. He had the means to do that. Because he had all of your fucking information. Yeah. And so, but like, that was it. Like, we had no contact of that. But he knew me, but I did not know him. Like, he looked up all of my stuff, but I had no idea. And then, her other stalker in college was one of the fucking security guards that sat in the dorms at night like yeah he didn't he wasn't always in our dorm no he got moved to our dorm mm-hmm. like he he left her like a teddy bear mm-hmm. some flowers he said i blank 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 you because he said i love you one time and it freaked me out i want to kill you oh my gosh <laughs> it yeah and that was a phone call too i was friends with his roommate i called his his dorm phone because that's what you did back in the day was like, hey, you want to go to the commons? Like, that's what I was going to ask him. Commons is where you eat. Because imagine that. I'm going to be like, you want to eat? He wasn't there, but he was like, hey, you know, like, blah, 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 blah. And he played the piano and stuff. And so I was like, okay, like, I talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. What's the harm in talking? Well, uh. well, but yeah. I mean, nothing ever happened more than that because I did report him because he did stay one time and he tried to talk to me. And like, I, we lived on the fifth floor. And so, you know, extra large pizza. I was going to do the elevators. And like, were you living? With, you know, you weren't I living with me at the time. That, that was the first semester. So Timothy and Carrie had dropped me off. And like, they were waiting to see like, I got in safe. But like, we didn't know he was going to be inside. Like, that's what's scary. Is like, oh, yeah, they're waiting. Oh, cool, cool, cool. But, yeah, he's inside. Like, the stranger's inside the house. But, like, I was looking at him. He's looking at me. And I'm waiting for the elevator to go. And then he stands up to come to me. And I'm like, nope. And go through the hall on a different thing. And I was like, my fat ass is going up the stairs then. But he couldn't go in that, like, through the dorms. Like, that's a breach of his stuff. And he, like, went to do it. And that's how I could turn him in. Oh, that's so scary. So, look, y'all, please just be safe. Report things. Even if you feel like no one's listening and no one's doing anything, at least you have it on record. Yes, definitely. Because the more that's on record, the more you can, you know, the more proof you have. Yeah. It's like both stories, they're they're helpless. In both stories, no one believed them. You know, yeah. people said she was a witch. And she's like, no, I'm not. And just because of their perception or what they wanted to believe. And then same with Ella. She's like, no, he's stalking me. And they're like, okay, well, here, sign this contract saying you'll leave her alone. You know, and it's like, yeah, no, listen to them. She's telling you she's not a witch. She's telling you he is stalking me. Yeah. And both of their lives were at risk. 
And the sad part is, Ella's story happened eight years ago. Gosh. That's when she met him. It all came to a head in 2015. Wow. Just think about that. Wow. It's like, when are we going to stop not believing people or not taking stalking seriously? Like, how many people have to die before it's taken as serious as it is? Yeah. And I know that the laws have gotten better over the years. It They have. It just sucks because it has to get, like, physical. It has to get harmful mm-hmm. before anything really happens. And it's like... That's what I'm trying to not do. Yeah. I'm trying to prevent that. Yeah, I'm because how do you know that the first time that they're physical isn't the time they kill you? Exactly. Because, like, living in fear because of someone's actions should be enough. Yes. Well, y'all tell us what y'all think. If you have any insights of stalking laws that we don't know, please share. Because, I mean, we're always wanting to learn and give resources to people and that sort of thing. Thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, review, all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.